What's up, New Hope? How you guys doing? Welcome to Church Online or Church On Site for our watch parties, whichever one you are doing. Welcome. I am glad you are here. And as you can tell, I am fired up about the word today, and I hope and pray that you are. And again, we are one church in so many locations. So it doesn't matter if you are at home, you're at the lake, you're watching it anywhere, or you are at a campus. Welcome one, welcome all. If you haven't made it out to a campus yet, I hope you will come and join us. We're having some events during the week at each of our campuses, and then we are having watch parties on Sunday with not one, but two live worship songs at the end, and we are excited. If you are ready to get back and start enjoying the church family, you just come on out. If you're not and you need some more time, that is fine as well. Hey, I want to talk to you today about the name that is above all names. Everybody say Jesus. The power of the name of Jesus. Last week, we started a brand new series in the book of Philippians. In fact, go ahead and open up the word to Philippians chapter two. We were in chapter one last week, and uh, we're gonna start in verse five, but let me tell you about something that happened to me in Korea. It was about, I don't know, uh, 18, 19 years ago. Uh, I was with a big group of people, and uh, we were going to the full gospel church in Korea, the largest church in the world. And guys, this is like a stadium. It's like a giant football stadium. At that point in time, they were running eight services on a Sunday, eight different times. They would fill up this stadium. The lines would be stretched out around blocks of people just trying to get into the full gospel church. I was with my mentor, Dale Galloway, who was friends with the pastor. And so as our bus pulled up and we saw these lines stretched out, I thought, oh my Lord, we are gonna be here a long time. But Dale looked at us, 21 Beeson pastors, and he said, just follow me. And we started walking past all of these people who were, walk, or who were waiting, I should say, to get into the stadium. And what I wanted to say to those folks is, I am sorry, I'm just following the pack because we were cutting in front of all of these people, thousands of people. But what came to my mind is a saying that some of you have heard as well. It's not what you know, come on, it's who you know. And that came to mind this week as I was studying Philippians chapter 2. Because there is something about the name of Jesus. And in Philippians 2, this is what we come to. Now, as you get ready to read this with me, keep in mind that this was one of the early church's hymns. It was one of their favorite songs. It's an early church Christ hymn that they would sit around and they would sing this passage, verses 5 through 11. Here we go. In your relationship, starting on verse five, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be taken advantage of. 
something to be used. I like the old NIV translation, 1984, something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Let's continue. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Watch this. Therefore, everybody say, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, we thank you for this passage, and I pray, Lord God, that as we study it and I do my best to teach it, Father, we pray that you would take our minds and think through them, take our hearts and fill with them. Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them. For if you do not speak today, then nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said, amen. I know you have mask on if you're at a watch party, but I still want you to yell it out really loud because we gotta, we gotta hear you on the other side of the mask. Everybody say Jesus. The Bible says that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory and honor of God the Father. Look at verses six and seven again. Who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The first thing I want you to write down, and we hit on this just a little bit last week. I want you to write down and understand that joy True joy comes when we understand that we follow Jesus Christ who was the ultimate servant, who laid down his life. And some of the most miserable, painstakingly ugly people, if you will, are those who are most selfish. And conversely so, some of the folks who are most joyful cheerful, and just fun to be around are those who lay down their lives for others. It was Albert Einstein, for most of his career, he kept the portraits of two scientists on the wall, Newton and Maxwell. But towards the end of his life, he replaced those portraits with Gandhi and Albert Schweitzer. Albert Einstein said this late in his life. He said, it is time to replace the image of success with the image of service. Albert Schweitzer said this, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be truly happy are those who have sought and found what church, how 
to serve. Servants are some of the most joyful people in the world. Why? Because they take their cue from Jesus who said in Mark 10, 43 and 44, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave or servant to all. Jesus was a servant. Paul was a servant. Peter was a servant. All the biblical greats were servant and all those who serve today are some of the most joyful people on the planet. Look at verse eight. We're just gonna keep going back to this passage, verses five through 11, verses eight, verse eight. And being found in appearance as a man, he what? He humbled himself. You wanna climb the ladder of joy? It starts not with ascension, but descension to the place of servanthood. And then it, it goes towards humility. Humility. Powerful reality about those who are most joyful in this world also take their cues from Jesus and they follow in humility. And when you study the scriptures... The humility of Jesus Christ is absolutely mind-blowing. When you stop and remember who we are talking about. Colossians 1, 15 and 17 says this. The Son, won't you read this out loud with me again, really loud if you're at a watch party to get through that mask. Ready? Go. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold Together. I was thinking this week as I was working on this message and I reflected back on the series that we just came through not long ago, AMA Ask Me Anything. And I shared one morning when I answered the question about will there be pets in heaven? I shared how that is one of the most popular questions I get asked as a pastor. And I always get a little taken aback by the question because a part of me wants to do my best to try to answer the question. And as I said in that series, I really don't know. And we looked at lots of different scripture verses. But what I usually want to say to the person, and I've never said it directly to a person, so I'm going to say it to the movement today is that when you get to heaven, the last thing you are going to be worried about is your pet. Because you are going to be in the presence of almighty God, pure divinity, pure holiness, and even though you love your dog like I love my dog, Abby, 
When we get to heaven and we get in the presence of God and we bow our knee maybe for the last time and we stay in a bowed position, I don't know. But when we bow our knee and we worship God, this God of Colossians, this God of Philippians 2, this God three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are going to be so mesmerized, so enamored, so gripped with the holiness of God, that we're not going to be thinking about a pet. We're gonna be focused and fixated on almighty God. Humility is key. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less, but here's what's key, and Jesus more. And when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to be what we are thinking about. Look at verse eight. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by what, church? By what? By becoming obedient. You want to experience joy in your life? Fix your eyes on Jesus and his word and obey what he tells you to do. Just fix Jesus in the crosshairs of your life. And even when you don't understand why he's telling you to do something, even when it doesn't make sense to you, you decide in your heart with conviction and resolve that you are going to follow him. And that is the pathway of joy. It is in obedience. And to follow him, you've got to know his word. You've got to be able to recognize his voice. I've had the privilege of going to Palestine many times, the Holy Land. And one of the the common things that you see over there, I've seen it many times, I've interacted with some of the Bedouin people, is you will find the, the Bedouin people with their herds of sheep in the fields. And what's really, really cool is that the sheep will learn the unique voice of their particular Bedouin shepherd, if you will. And as he calls them, they follow him all day long. And other Bedouins will come in and they'll have their flocks and the flocks will get close, but they don't cross over. They follow the voice of their shepherd. Isn't it fascinating that Jesus said in John 10, 27, come on, let's read this out loud. Go, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. Unbelievable idea. And I'm telling you, if you want to walk in joy, if you want to experience joy in the midst of all of this crap that we are putting up with day in and day out, all of the stuff that we're seeing on the screens all the time, 
All of the debates about going back to school or not going back to school. All of the debates about whether we're going to go to work or continue to work at home. All of the debates and the tension about the mask that we're wearing. All of the debates and the tension about the politics. I could go on and on and on. And if you want to experience joy in the midst of it all, become a servant and live your life in service to others. Walk in humility. Realize that the way of Christianity is not upward mobility or ascension, if you will, but it is downward mobility, descension, where eyes are fixed on Jesus and you surrender and submit to him every single day. Obedience, where you are going to obey God's word to the very best of your ability. And when you fall short, you're going to fall on your knees again, confess your sins, ask God to restore you as you repent and turn from those sins and keep allowing this book to be the ultimate authority in your life. And then Paul gets to verse eight. And if you think it's been good so far, look at what this song, this, this hymn does next. Philippians 2, 8 and 11. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Watch this. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Jesus modeled this service and this humility, and this obedience. And then Jesus experienced death. Flatline. The light of the world snuffed out. The world darker than it had ever been before. I'm talking lights out. I'm talking a corpse. I'm talking a funeral. I'm talking grieving, crying, sadness, burial, darkness. And when Jesus came to save humanity in service, humility, obedience, he knew that it would ultimately result in death. You're talking about humility, to leave heaven. Remember, Jesus is from the beginning. He is equal with the Father, with the Spirit. He left heaven, came on this life-saving, sin-forgiving mission. And he knew that it would ultimately result in death. But that's when the story gets good. Because he's dead on Friday. Come on now. He's dead on Saturday. But oh my, Sunday rolled around and God raised his son, Jesus Christ, breathed into him the breath of life, exalted him to the highest place, 
gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, that's every person who has ever graced planet earth, every tongue that has ever lived or ever will, every single person will bow before Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has, I better come up the backside this time. Jesus has no equal. Jesus reigns supreme. Jesus is at the very top of it all. And it doesn't matter who we're talking about, past, present, or future. Listen to me, church. The Bible says that every single person will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And they will bow. And they will confess. And the question I've always loved to ask people is if you're going to have to bow and confess him one day, why don't you start doing that here and now? Because there is no one like Jesus Christ. You can take all the religious great leaders in the world and they're all dead. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet my stake, if you will. I'm gonna put my hope in the only one who has defeated death and his name is Jesus. And if you want to walk in the midst of this crazy world that we are living in, if you want to experience joy, if you want to be in this crazy world, in this stressed out world, in this anxious world, but not be of this world, you fix your eyes ultimately on Jesus and you model your life after him. You serve others. You walk in humility. You obey his word. And I know we don't look forward to death, but listen, we're all going to die. We realize that we go to death. But here's the good news. If we know Jesus, we go through death. And we spend eternity with almighty God and all the saints of old, all the saints of present, all the saints of the future. And we experience joy absolutely unlimited. Let me just wrap up and tell you two things about this name of Jesus. Just two things. The name of Jesus saves Everybody say that with me. The name of Jesus saves. There is no other name that saves. Did you hear me? No other name. It's very common today to just assume that, you know what, there's all kinds of pathways to God and it doesn't matter which pathway you take. We're gonna all end up in heaven at the top one day. No, 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 there is no other name that saves. Don't take my word for it. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Romans 10, 9, put this verse to memory. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you might be saved. It's possible. No, you will be saved all by the name of Jesus Christ. I said it in the beginning, but it's worth repeating again. Every person will bow before the judgment seat of Christ. And every tongue will confess, even if they confess it for the first time, they will confess he is Lord. Why don't you bow and confess it now instead of waiting till you die? Here's the second thing about that name. The name of Jesus sustains. The name of Jesus sustains. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I surely do. I can't remember a time in my life where I have needed the sustaining power of God more so than I do right now. These are challenging times. And I've said this a few times in the last couple of months, quite often I feel like I'm dangling by a thread. And what I've been praying is, oh God, just let that thread be attached to the hem of your garment. There's a story in the New Testament about a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and none of the doctors could heal her. And she fought through the crowd just to get to Jesus. And all she wanted to do was, was touch the hem of his garment. She wanted to be sustained by God. And there's not a single person out there today who doesn't need the sustaining power of God, whether they realize it or not. And maybe you're here and you're tired. Maybe you're here and you're lonely. Maybe you're at home somewhere and you, you feel like you're at wit's end and you just don't know if you're going to make it. Maybe you've got a medical prognosis that you don't feel good about and you're worried. Maybe you're worried about your employment. Maybe you're worried about unemployment getting ready to run out. And maybe you feel like I do at times and you feel like you're dangling by a thread. Let me tell you about Jesus. You fix your eyes on him. You follow in this way of Christ. He will sustain you. Psalm 54, verse four and seven. Look at this. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. You have delivered me from all my troubles and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. He is the one who sustains me. And he is the one who will sustain you. A wealthy man and his son loved to collect rare art. 
They had everything in their collection from Picasso to Raphael. They would often sit together and admire the great works of art. When the Vietnam War conflict broke out, the father's son went off to fight for this country. While rescuing another soldier, he took a bullet and died in the war. The father was notified and he grieved deeply for his son. About a month later, right around the Christmas season, there was a knock at his door. And a young man stood at the door with a large package in his hand. And he said, sir, you don't know me, but I fought with your son in the Vietnam War. And I was the one that your son came back to rescue. And while he picked me up and carried me to safety, he took a bullet and he passed. And as we spent time in the war before this, he told me how you collected rare forms of art. He said, sir, I'm not that great of an artist, but I painted your son and I wanted to give this to you. The father was moved, of course, and he opened up the package and he was actually quite blown away by the way in which this soldier who survived captured the personality, the uniqueness of his boy. And again, he was moved deeply. He thanked the young man. He offered to pay the young man. And the young man said, oh no, 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 I won't take anything. This is the least I could do for you. Your son saved my life. The next year, the father passed away. And as he passed away, he left in his will the desire to have an auction for all of his artwork. And of course, word spread because everybody knew he collected all of these rare pieces of art. And so on the day of the auction, the crowd was wall to wall at the family estate. The auctioneer pounded the gavel down and he said, we will start the bidding with this picture of his son. Who will bid for the picture? And there was silence. And a voice in the back yelled out, we want to bid on the other pieces of art. We didn't come here to bid on his son, but the auctioneer persisted. Will someone bid for this painting? Who will start the bidding? 100, 200, and another voice shouted angry, we didn't come to bid on his son. We came to see and bid on the Van Goghs and the Rembrandts. Get on with the real bids, they yelled. But the auctioneer held firm. He continued, the son, the son is the first bid. Who will take the son? Finally, a voice from the back of the room, the gardener of the man and his son. He said, I will give you $10 for the painting. And being a poor man, that was a lot of money for him. We have 10, the auctioneer said, who will bid 20? Nobody said a word. Give it to him for 10, someone yelled from the back. The crowd was becoming more and more angry. They didn't want the picture of the son. 
The auctioneer pounded the gavel, said, $10 going once, going twice. Sold for $10. A man sitting on the second row shouted, now let's get on with the collection. The auctioneer laid down the gavel and he said, I'm sorry, but the auction is over. What about the other paintings? Someone yelled from the back. I'm sorry, the auction is over. When I agreed to this auction, there was one stipulation. The stipulation that the old man made in his will before he died, he made it very clear. Whoever bid on and took the son got everything else in the estate. Church, I just want to let you know today that 2,000 years ago, God declared once and for all, whoever takes the son finds eternity, finds abundant life, finds joy, even now, and joy that will continue for all of eternity. Because if you take the Son, everything else that's desired by most of us is found in Him and Him alone. And I want to give you a chance to bow before him today. For the first time, maybe for the 10th time, I wanna give you a chance to receive the son. Because again, whoever gets the son, when it is all said and done, gets everything. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for Philippians 2, 5 through 11, thank you for this old hymn of the first church. Father, I pray that as we continue to navigate this crazy season, Father, I pray that your people, the New Hope Nation, will follow in the way of Christ, will follow him in the way of service and humility and obedience. And Father, when every single one of us dies and we will all die and we will all face the judgment seat of Christ, Father, I pray that it won't be the first time that we try to bow before you and confess you as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that we would do it here and now. And that in doing so and following Christ and Christ alone, God, we would experience joy, not shallow happiness, but deep-seated joy in the midst of all of the pain and turmoil and challenges of 2020. God, that you would pour into us a joy that most folks won't ever fully understand. Father, we love you today. 
And I want to give every single person a chance just to confess right now, wherever you are, whoever you are, confess that Jesus is Lord, that you believe and you confess and you are saved. If you desire that, just say a simple prayer in your heart today. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my mind. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Pour into me this joy. Help me follow in the way of Christ. And I will give you all glory and all honor all the days of my life until I stand before you one day and bow once again that you are Lord over all. Father, thank you for what you're doing. We love you, we honor you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen, thank you so much for joining us. The campus pastors will come forward now and they will lead us in this time. Before we go into some more worship, they're gonna lead us in a time for how you might respond if you just accepted Christ or how you might give to the Lord in and through New Hope Church. God bless you.